Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, I'm greeting you and welcoming you to our show, Now Tell Us. At Now Tell Us, we invite people to come and tell us uh, good stories, or they come and educate us on one thing or the other. And uh, always, we have great guests. And so, today, it's no exception. We have a great guest with us who is known as Robert Kennedy Third? Hello, Robert. Hey there, Anthony. Listen, do me a favor. I'm a speaker, man, so I like to come in with an entrance. So do me a favor. Just say, ladies and gentlemen, introducing Robert Kennedy Third. Okay. Here we go again. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you are, tuned, you, you are tuned to Now Tell Us. And... Right here with us, we are welcoming a great public speaker, Robert Kennedy III. Welcome to the show, Robert. <laughs> yeah, that's how we enter the stage, my friend. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. Welcome. Now, take the mic. Yes, sir. Yes. yes. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How about you? Fantastic, fantastic, spectacular. Yeah, it's good to have a public speaker because he's going to tell us of how to do it. So uh, for your for the intro, now Robert uh, Kennedy III is a leadership communication expert, international keynote speaker, corporate trainer, and best-selling author. So mm -hmm. if you're there and you'd like to find your voice and own your story, because that's the topic of today's episode We've got the right person right before us. And so let's go in and find out who's here on the stage. Now, please tell us, give us an intro. I've given you a brief introduction. And I, I think I started at the top. Let's start somewhere from below. Or are you the one who says we start at the end in mind? <laughs> with the, with yeah. the end in mind? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Currently, I run a training company here in Maryland, and we train corporate leaders how to be able to share their story or how to help people move to action with their messages. And so we do that through sharing ideas about business storytelling. We share with people about how to confidently communicate their ideas and be expert presenters. So um, we do that for specifically the real estate industry. And so we've been doing that for my goodness, maybe four or five years. Um, mm -hmm. And then over the last 12 years or so, no, 14 years, going on 14 years, I've been a, a business owner for 100% in business for that long. I've had two prior businesses to that. So four businesses oh. overall. Oh, but before drops, I went to that, we're going to pick it yeah. up. <laughs> okay. Are you not hearing me? Together, here we are with Robert Kennedy third. I don't know yeah. what, what just happened. I don't know whether it's Robert's side. Now, these things are going to be experienced. When you go to an event yeah. and then there's total breakdown of the equipment and technology just says, yeah. this is not your day. You've got to take the mic again. Let's get it up going again. So, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see what happened. Can you hear me? Yes, can I can you... hear you. Oh, okay. Yes. I don't know. I don't know what happened. We're... Yeah, like, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, so I don't know where I left off, but I am a speaker, keynote speaker, corporate trainer, workshop facilitator, and have been doing that for the last um, seven or so years. Prior to that, I had a 
an e-learning training company where we did that for we did that for about seven years. So I've been in business full time for about 14 years. And prior to that, I had two other companies that I started while I was a teacher in the classroom. Oh, that, that's beautiful. So you were a teacher initially. And um, tell us about where you are, right? Or is that where you were born? Is that where you grew up? Or? No, I was actually born on the island of Jamaica, man. I, I left oh, Jamaica. You're a, Jama- I- you're a Jamaican. <laughs> yeah. 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 People say, yeah, man, but no, Jamaicans don't really say, yeah, man, a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) We'll go. Yeah. 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 So, um, come from yard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, I grew up in Jamaica or I was there for about seven and a half years. And then after that, I moved to New York city, which is where I grew up in the Bronx for about 10 years before going to college. And so my dad was a pastor a preacher. So I'm the son of a preacher, man. And okay. so moved around a lot. I was in church all my life. <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of my background from a geographical perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, because we are talking about the mic in church, is that where you started to pick the mic from? <laughs> well, you know what, when you're a pastor's kid, sometimes mm-hmm. you do things against your, 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 your will. Right. Sometimes okay. you're you're voluntold. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't volunteer. You're voluntold to do some <laughs> things. And so, um, yes, I had moments where I had to speak. I had to do poetry. I had to sing. I had to preach. I had to do different things as a pastor's kid in church. Man. No, that's a good preparation. And it's good when you just uh, grow up being groomed in the direction that you end up taking as a career. So, mm-hmm. so for those of us who are listening to you, we understand that uh, what you're talking about is not something you just picked. No, nope. Been doing it almost. Been doing it for a long time. I mean, I was, I wasn't necessarily a an outspoken child. I was, I was rather shy for a lot of my uh-huh. childhood. But mm-hmm. I also was a, um, I was a teacher for about ten years, and so I've had a lot of stuff where where I, I guess I've had a lot of practice, man. Okay. And yeah. That, that's good. So tell us about uh, uh, teaching. What did you use to teach? I taught physics and biology. Whoa. <laughs> I, taught in, I taught in the high school. I taught high school for eight years, and I was a faculty for an online university in their biology department for two years. Oh, beautiful. So then yeah. how? at what point did you uh, drop teaching and just... No, you've not dropped teaching. You're still teaching and training. But at what point did you come out of high school and start uh, concentrating on uh, corporate, uh, in the corporate field? Did you just go straight away or did you uh, go out of uh, a permanent job and start teaching, going to schools and gaining uh, experience or tell us? Yeah. So Uh the, here's, here's the story. I was in the, I was teaching in high school for eight years and then I transitioned to an online job some well, of yeah, that which happened okay yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. some of that happened because of um you know i got married started having kids and uh the online job allowed me the flexibility to be at home because it was an okay. online university so i didn't have to travel anywhere so i had mm-hmm. to do that now there were some things changing with the university and then i moved my family 500 miles from the state of Massachusetts to Maryland, where we are now. And 10 days after we came from Massachusetts, 
I lost my job at the online university. And so mm-hmm. I had to figure out how to provide for my family. I had to figure out how to um, add some income to the pot, right? And so mm-hmm. um, I was doing everything I could, putting out resumes, all of that, and I wasn't getting any bites. So mm-hmm. I decided that I was going to um, do some course building. And I started to build online courses for a, a couple of professors and universities. And that blossomed a little bit. I started a business where we were developing e-learning online courses and mm-hmm. did that for a little while. And that business um, exploded after a while, not in a good way, <laughs> bad decisions. And that business went down the tubes. But before that business blew up, mm-hmm. I started training them. I started to be requested to do trainings on communication on how to build courses and then that moved into leadership training and other communication trainings and so you know we've had an organic uh development or transition to where we are right now Mm. Mm. in in communication we talk about uh, stories Mm -hmm. please uh, tell us what is it about stories and it's important that you have a story of your own yeah yeah, well, you know what? Stories are how we communicate. We've communicated that way for 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 a very long time, right? Yeah. Before before we learned how to write, before there was computers, uh, how did we transmit information? How did we remember things, right? And yeah. I'll, I'll even go back to African culture. How did how did we um, share family secrets or family history? Right. Mm-hmm. It was through verbal communication and it sure. was through the stories that we told about the village, about grandma, about, you know, great grandparents. That is mm-hmm. how that is how information was transferred. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the reason that it's transferred that way, because it's memorable. It's easier for people to remember information through stories than it is for them to just give us data. Mm-hmm. And so as a matter of fact, studies have been done and, and the studies tell us that you are 22 times more likely to remember a fact if it's wrapped in a story, mm-hmm. right? So right. stories have this emotional connection mm-hmm. that allow us to really remember information and stories cause us to go into our mental Rolodex to find out whether or not we experienced that thing, we want to experience that thing, or we don't want to experience that thing anymore mm-hmm. stories are powerful man that's so that's that's the biggest way that i recommend people to communicate if you want people to not just remember but move yeah. to action yeah. Yeah. and then you talk about having a signature talk or a story what yeah. is what is def, what is exactly that well a signature talk is a story at its very core it's it's something that people know you for mm-hmm. it's that people identify or associate with you no matter where you are or what you're up to, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if they're talking about um, Anthony, they're saying Anthony is a motivational speaker and he's here's a story that he tells all the time. Mm-hmm. He tells about the time where he was a child and he experienced this and this is why he became a motivational speaker, right? Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's how people create connection with mm-hmm. you. Um, mm-hmm. If you have a business or if you have a product that you sell, why is it that you're passionate about that? Mm-hmm. Why is it that you decided that you're gonna uh, uh, approach that business? Well, there's a, there's a situation or there's a scenario or there's an experience behind mm-hmm. it. And if you're able to share that, you know, chances are there are some people that say, 
um, wait a minute, I, I experienced that thing, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of products that come out because somebody had something that they experienced and they're able to sell it because the, the, the experiences connect the other people. Mm. Oh, thank you. So to those of you who are joining us right now, we are with Dr. We are with Robert Kennedy III, and uh, we are talking about uh, finding your voice and owning your story. We want to thank each and every one of you who are watching us and uh, those who get to watch us after we are through with this uh, show. And at this point, I want to mention one, Dr. Manny Hill Foderaro. She says, thank always great to tune into Anthony's interviews. Wonderful guests and fascinating topics. Oh, like the one we have today. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Mani and everyone else out there. Please remember to share with your friends as we get to get uh, more education and uh, uh, more inspiration like we are having today. Now, uh, you stand in, the front, in front of an audience. Uh, I know it's not an easy thing. I mean, you, you, you've had the experience yourself. You grew up in yeah. church. You took the mic. You preached. You sang. You, you gave testimonies. Uh, what would you tell someone who's getting there for the first time and he has to take the mic? I have seen people faint when they are given uh, <laughs> the mic without notice. How, how, what, what do you tell someone like that? Well, you know what? A lot of people feel like being on the mic or being um, in front of people, there's this magic potion or a magic pill that people take not to be nervous. Mm -hmm. And the truth, all of us are going to be nervous in some way, shape or form. I mean, comedian Jerry Seinfeld says that um, at a funeral, more people would like to be in the casket than giving the eulogy, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, people become nervous because of, of a couple of things. They, they make up stories in their minds, yeah. right? They feel like yeah. people are going to criticize them. They feel like they're going to fail mm -hmm. or mess up in front of everybody and everybody's going to laugh and they make up these things in their heads before it's even happened. And so mm -hmm. when, when, when people come to me and they say, Robert, can you teach me how to speak? And can you tell me how not to be nervous? I mm -hmm. share with them, our job isn't to get rid of the butterflies. It's simply to help them fly in formation, right? <laughs> and so That's good. how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, that happens right here. This mm -hmm. is the biggest mu muscle. This is the biggest advantage or barrier that, yeah. that we've crossed yeah. through. So as you begin to feel those, those butterflies and begin to feel the energy inside mm -hmm. of you, what are you telling yourself that it is, mm -hmm. right? Are you telling yourself mm -hmm. it's nerve or are you telling yourself that it is excitement for the information that you're going to be sharing with people or the story that you're going to mm -hmm. be sharing with people right so mm -hmm. re really figuring out how to how to how to reframe your energy okay um you stand on stage now mm -hmm. you've uh, enabled the butterflies to form uh, to fly in a beautiful formation Yes, but then how how do you engage the audience so that they they listen to you and they understand what you're saying or they flow yeah. with you? How do you engage them? Well, that that is I'm glad you asked that. I'm gonna give people a cheat code right now, right? If you if secret, a secret of all secrets, uh, an ancient secret that's going to make you a better storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are ready for the secret. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people. On stage, 
And here is the typical opening. Good morning. My name is Robert or good morning. My name is Eric or Jane or Maria. And I'm here today to talk to you about that. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that as an introduction? Um, yeah, I've heard it before. <laughs> boring. Yeah. It's yeah. Right? So the goal of speaking is to connect with your audience as soon as possible. Okay. Right? You want to be able to engage the mind of your audience as soon as possible so that they're not focused on you and whether you're going to mess up or not. Mm -hmm. right? so how do you how do you engage the mind of your audience? Well, tell us. Tell us. scientists tell us that there is a trigger or there is a process in our brain that you can literally use to hijack the brain of every person in the audience mm. when you speak to them. Right? People can't help but listen or people can't help but engage when you do this. And here's the thing. Here's the secret. Ask a question. Hmm. Oh, right. You ask a question. Here's what happens. Scientists tell us that there's a process called instinctive elaboration, which means that when you ask a question, the mind can't help but answer it. <laughs> okay. Right. So if I go up and instead of saying, good morning, my name is Robert, I go up and I say, what would it be like if every one of you in here had a bowl of candy in front of them? What happens? their mind now begins to create the picture of the bowl and they start to wonder, wait a minute, what would I feel if I had a bowl of candy in front of me? What's another mm -hmm. question that I can ask? Um, I might say, I may, I may not even ask a question. I may create a statement that engages their brain. I may say, imagine a world where there was no more violence. What happens? People's brains begin to create a video and a picture and they begin to think about that world. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. What if mm -hmm. you could, what if you could drive a car at 150 miles per hour or 200 kilometers per hour? You know, now, now everybody's in the car. They're sitting down there in, in the car and they're behind the wheel or they're in the passenger seat. And they're wondering, would I be fearful? Would I be, oh my gosh. Or would I be just relaxed? The, the, their minds are engaged figuring out what experience or emotion they want to connect with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're not focused on you at that moment. They're, they're focused on their experience. And so for a speaker who wants to connect with the audience and immediately get the audience engaged, mm -hmm. their mm -hmm. brains, don't, okay. don't give them boring okay. information. Mm. Okay. That's good. We like that. So uh, talk about uh, body language because um, some of us, mm -hmm. And why is it is it important? Is it really important to watch my body language? Well, I mean, I think we all know the answer to that question, right? Uh, We've all experienced somebody walking into a room and they didn't say anything, but you knew whether they were in a good mood or a bad mood. Yeah. Right? You you've we've all experienced somebody walking in the room and the entire atmosphere changed or there's a bunch of people in the room and everybody's laughing and everybody's having fun. And this person walks in the room and all, room, and all of a sudden it feels like the room is negative. Mm. We've, we've had that experience. Mm -hmm. So when we're speaking to people, um, Albert Morabian did this study that he wrote this book called silent messages. They did the study years ago and it said that um, the majority of what influences people 55% of what influences people is visual, right? Okay. What you're wearing, what your body does, 
you know, what, what your facial expressions are, all of that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. 8% of what influences people is vocal. And that means your the, the tone, you know, are you loud? Are you soft? Are you speaking quickly? Are you slow, right? Mm -hmm. 38 and 55 is 93, which means about 7% of what really influences people is verbal, which is yeah. the word yeah. that you are saying. Mm -hmm. So that's not to say the words are not important, but the words have to match up or line up effectively with the body language. So if your body language is super low key, yeah, then yeah. now you've got to do a little bit more work verbally, right? Or you've got to do a little bit different work verbally. But if you want to have um, your audience engage with you on an energetic level, then your mm -hmm. body language has to be energetic, right? You've you got to smile. You've got to have, you know, your shoulders up and your chest out and you and really coming to your audience in a way that says, listen, I'm passionate. I'm convicted. I, I understand that I've got something fantastic to tell you, fantastic to share with you, something amazing that's going to transform you and change your life, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If I say what I just said and I say, hey, I've come today to transform you and to change your life. Yeah. Be... <laughs> very different <laughs> right? but if i want to transform lives and and i've got and i want people to pay attention to that and really understand it and take it in then my energy my body language has to reflect that yeah yeah mm -hmm. and let me ask you a question we all have seen some very effective and very great speakers there uh, they attract a they, uh, big crowd of people who follow them, hear what they say and act on what they say. And I'm going to use one example and you're going to maybe give us a, a little analysis of uh, why you think that is so effective on communication and uh, achieving great results. Yeah. And uh, the example I'm going to give is Obama. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Give us why I, I believe he's a very great communicator, very effective. Why would do you think he's so effective and so uh, I mean he has great results in whatever he's doing? Yeah, well, you know, I think there is connection. Even before somebody says something, um, there's there's connection. I think in the United States, particularly, where there has never been prior to him a president of color, mm -hmm. there was Already connection just innately, right? He just mm -hmm. he would he could walk up and especially from people of color, they listen, they're starting to listen already because they identify, they connect mm -hmm. with him from mm -hmm. level personally, from an identity perspective. Yeah. Then yeah. after that, the way that he speaks, he he's, he was very um the he kind of had he had a charismatic way about him or has mm -hmm. a charismatic way about him. Uh, he smiles, he's humorous. Um, you know, he shares stories. Uh, we can talk about the, the meter with which he speaks. You know, he kind of speaks in these chunks. And so people are able to grab information. He doesn't speak too quickly. Mm -hmm. He doesn't speak too slowly. Um, he, the, the way that he spoke connected with people. And so um, that, you know, there were a lot of different things that um, 
that related to that. I mean, I can I can relate that or connect it to the president that came after him in the United States, Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of people didn't like Donald Trump and his policies and the way that he operated. But from a speaking perspective, mm -hmm. um, there were, he connected with a certain group of people. Right. He connected yeah. with them. And because he connected with them, when he went up to speak, he utilized um, some of the extreme nature of their relationship or some of the extreme emotions that people felt. Mm -hmm. And that allowed people to listen to him for hours at a time. Now, I wouldn't sit and listen to Donald Trump for three hours. Mm -hmm. um, that's just, you know, he's, he's not my cup of tea in that way. Right. Okay. But there, that did because... He connected with them on an emotional level even before he started to speak. And then once he started to speak, he really exploited or utilized or leveraged the emotional connection to keep their attention for, for hours. Mm. That's, good. That's good. So, so um, tell us now, because you are at now, tell us, mm. um, how do I find my own voice? How do I... Yes, how do I find my own voice and own my story? Well, a lot of people are nervous about sharing their stories because they feel like they don't have something important to say. Mm -hmm. Right? They're like, my life is regular. My mm -hmm. life is normal. My life is average. I don't have anything that people would want to listen to. So they don't share their stories because of that. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, we all have something that, that people would want to listen to because we've all, wherever we are in life, we're ahead of somebody, right? So whether you were born with both of your arms and your legs and you have your ears and your eyes and your noses, or just one nose, um, if you have all of the, if you have all of your stuff together, you know, what are the things that you, what are the challenges? What are some of the things that you've gone through, you know? What are, what are some similar experiences? Well, um, what about a test that you had to pass, that you had to study for? Mm -hmm. What about the experience of getting your driver's license? Um, what about the experience of going from one level of school to the other, right? Going from high school to college or going from elementary to into, into high school, you know, what what were some of those experiences? If you are a family where you have siblings, mm -hmm. did you ever get into conflict with your siblings, your brother, your sister? How did you navigate that? Right? What about mm -hmm. your first job? What was it like to get your first job? Right? All of those are stories and all of those are experiences that we can use to connect with people. Because if, if I'm getting my first job, there's a kid that's 14 or 15 that hasn't gotten their first job yet. Yeah, yeah. Right, and you can share with them. Hey, this is how I did it. This is this is what I did. These these are this is how I prepared myself. Mm -hmm. And my first two months, this is this is what happened. And this is how I got promoted, or this is what I did to get to the next level. Right. Mm -hmm. So all of those are experiences that we can share with people. And you know, it may not be your signature story yet, but you don't get your signature story until you start telling stories. Mm. So right. you, the, the secret is to start telling stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. what, whatever, think it, whatever, whatever 
whether you think it's important or not, begin to share elements of your life. And, and when, so here's a, um, another secret, another thing that's going to help you become an even better storyteller. Mm-hmm. Think about what lesson you want to share. Yeah. Think about yeah. what is it that you want people to understand, know, or move to action on. Mm-hmm. Once you understand what you can share or what, or what lesson you want to share, then you can create a story or think about a story to match up or to line up with that. Mm-hmm. Right? So if I want to teach somebody about the, the lesson of perseverance, I can tell them about when I was in college and I failed organic chemistry. Mm-hmm. Right? This, this is a real story. Right? I can tell them about when I was in college and I failed organic chemistry and, and how I went to summer school and, and I failed it again. Right. And then yeah. I went back and I took it again. And this time I got I got a C. And that's how I knew that I didn't want to go to medical school. <laughs> but so, you ended up teaching biology. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just, right? so, so these are stories that, that people can share. Uh, yeah, they, they can share. I mean that that is that is inspirational in itself. I mean uh, telling mm-hmm. us what I see, you, you found that you're not going into medical, but you ended up still teaching biology. Like, yeah. like, like, like I, I failed, whatever failed, whatever. what failed me in high school was art. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why, because most of the time that I spent in class was painting and uh, drawing. And then I come to discover that uh, my high school marks, the art was my lowest. And that is right. what prevented me from joining uh, the, the campus immediate by one point. <laughs> right, right. The other part of the story is that uh, that's that's what became my career initially. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I, I, I got uh, freedom from. That's where I fed my family from, art. Yeah. Even yeah. though I found it in high school. <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the things that as a teacher, yeah. I learned how to teach certain things to students, um, especially students that were having trouble because I had the experience of failing. Okay. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I, there's things that I can't teach you or understand that you're experiencing if I haven't gone through them myself. If I've only gotten A's or I've only been first place or succeeded at every single thing in my life, mm-hmm. I, I'm not as good at teaching somebody who's having a struggle or an experience because I don't know what that experience is like, mm-hmm. right? So now I can use my failure. I can use the feelings that I felt. I can use, I can, I can recognize the struggle in the student's eyes because I had that experience. Okay. Yeah. And one more question. How would you take an ordinary story and make it, make it interesting or make it extraordinary? Is it possible? Well, you know, I, I think you can take any story and really focus on the lesson. I think the lesson inside of it, the thing that you're trying to share is what really makes the story extraordinary. I, I'll give an example. I was speaking with my mastermind group a few years mm-hmm. ago, and... Um, they were they were asking about you know things that we have done that you know maybe other people hadn't 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 done in that way and I I was struggling I said I don't I don't know if there's anything like extraordinary that I'd done I said the only thing that I can think of is 
I, um, I learned, I taught myself to ride a bicycle at eight years old. Yeah. I, yeah. Tell us about that. And so I told them the story and here's the quick story that I shared with them. I said, I said, yeah. So I was eight years old and I was at a friend's house and I asked them how to ride a bicycle. And my friend pointed out the window and we were looking out the window and there were some kids out there that were learning to ride, but their parents were pushing them along. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this was back in the day when you can leave kids alone by themselves at eight years old, right? I'd have, <laughs> we didn't have parents at home at that That's day. A long time ago. <laughs> you see the gray hair, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I said, I said, I got to learn how to ride today. So mm-hmm. we went to his garage and there were two bikes. There was his bike and sister's bike. He got on his bike and he hopped off and he rode down the street. And so I had his sister's bike with the basket and the bell, ding, 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 right? And so I go onto the street and I try to ride, but I fall because I've never ridden before. Yeah. And so yeah. I don't know how I figured this out, but his he had one of those driveways that went down underneath the house. Mm-hmm. And so I figured out that I could let the bike roll down the hill without having to use the pedals. And I could learn how to balance easier that way. So okay. I did that for a little while and I kept doing it. I did it for about 30 minutes. And, you know, got down to the driveway, got down into the garage under the house, started to turn, et cetera. And after a little while, I started to add the pedals and started to gain my balance that way. So I took the bike out, the bicycle out onto the street after about 30 minutes, mm-hmm. started to try to ride. And I was a little bit wobbly, but I was determined to ride for more than just a few feet at a time. So at the end of the, the, the street, there was this hill. So I took the bicycle and I pushed it to the end of the hill, to the end of the street, and I positioned myself at the top of the hill. And mm-hmm. I started to, to, to move. And this bicycle started to take off and I put my feet on the pedals and I start to ride down this hill and I'm going down the hill and the bike is picking up speed and the pedals start to spin. And after a while, my feet fly off pedals because they're going too fast for me to handle at that yeah. point. And it's yeah. still going down the hill, but there's an intersection at the bottom of the of this hill. And this bike mm-hmm. is towards the intersection and I'm flying closer and I remember that there's one thing that I forgot to teach myself in the driveway. Brake. How to <laughs> brakes, right? I didn't teach myself that. So I'm getting closer to this intersection and closer and closer and just before I get to the intersection I notice that there is this lawn on my left. So I take the bike and I turn it and I throw it onto the lawn and I swing it and I fly off the bicycle and I go through the grass and there's mud and dirt on my face and and, and um, I, I come to a stop and mm-hmm. as I come to a stop, I look up at the top of the hill and I see my friend and he's looking down at the hill at the bottom of the hill. He's like, Oh my gosh, his face is in shock. But I stand up and I raise my hands like in triumph and victory because <laughs> I had ridden my bike. down. The hill. <laughs> it's not a matter of the mud on the face. No, no. it's the victory that I made. I rode my bike. So I told my mastermind group the story and they were like, why haven't you told us the stories before? Uh-huh. I said, I was, I, I was just learning how to ride my bike. And they said, no, there's so many lessons inside of that. There's, there's the lesson of not listening to your friend when he told you only parents can teach you, right? Yeah. There's, yeah. the, there's a lesson of figuring out that you, um, you can go down the driveway and learn how to balance on your own, right? Mm-hmm. There's the lesson of g- trying it out, falling, and then not giving up and deciding to go to the hill. There's the lesson of how when we go down, sometimes we're going down a hill in life and we feel out of control, right? How many mm-hmm. people, as I, if I talk to, 
to our business owners. I say, how many of you have ever had this project on your plate and you just feel like it's a runaway train? It's like it's out of control and you don't know what to do. And oh, by the way, there's an intersection coming up down at the bottom and you're about to crash and you're about to be feeling like this thing is about to be the worst thing ever. Right. They said that that's a lesson. They say you get down to the bottom of the hill, you you crash into the into the lawn. And instead of feeling like you had had the worst experience ever, you raised your hands in victory because you chose to focus on the positive. You chose to focus on something amazing that happened, something that you'd never done before. Yeah. Right? yeah. There are there's so many lessons inside of that story. And here you are thinking that is just this. You, you just learned how to ride eight years old. Mm, that's beautiful. So thank you very much for sharing all these, uh, Robert. We appreciate it. And uh, we have uh, one other Facebook user who's saying, I agree with Kennedy that storytelling is, is a teaching where we develop interests. Yeah. Yeah, thank you yeah. for sharing that. And uh, all the others who are watching us, we really appreciate you. And um, we thank... Uh, Robert, for sharing these interesting perspectives about storytelling and owning our voice. And I have a question. I'm a public speaker, and anyone else there who's watching is a public speaker. And then he stands up and he has notes on his hands. What, what's your take on that? That I have to speak and read what, say what? <laughs> what what's your take on that? I mean, there are a lot of different types of speakers. I, I don't... Um, criticize anybody for checking their notes. Um, you know, as I said, I grew up in church and there are pastors that speak by reading from a manuscript. Yeah. yeah. That's the way that they do it. And there's some phenomenal speakers mm -hmm. that, that read from their notes or read from a manuscript. I mean, I would just say that if you are reading from notes, then pay attention to some of the other skills that you can use to engage with your audience. Make sure that your eye contact is, is phenomenal. Make sure that you connect with people, maybe through proximity. All right. Mm -hmm. You can connect with people by getting closer to them in some ways, make sure that you connect with people by utilizing their names. If you have, mm -hmm. if you're, you're a keynoter and you want to make a connection with people, get to this engagement early. Connect with a few people in the audience before you begin to speak. Find out their names. Find out what they're doing. Find out what experiences they're having. And then reference those while you are speaking. Because if I'm speaking or if I'm sitting in the audience and Anthony says, yeah, Robert said this to me, what's Robert going to do? If I was on my phone, I'm going to look up and yeah. I'm going to connect yeah. with you, mm -hmm. right? Because you call my name, right? Dale mm -hmm. Carnegie said the sweetest sound to every person in any language is the sound of their own name. Mm. Right. So, yeah. you know, but using notes is not the end of the world. Um, yeah. you know, I recommend getting to a place where you can really begin to um, own the story and just share it without having to refer to, to notes all the time, because, you know, there's a freedom that, that mm -hmm. comes. But if you have to use notes, use them so that you can not ramble and follow your structure and say what you need to say and get off the stage. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. So for those of you who are joining us right now, uh, you're not late, but uh, you found us talking to Robert Kennedy, who is a leadership communication expert and um, is in an, an international keynote speaker, 
corporate trainer and best-selling author. Now, I ask, since you are a corporate uh, uh, trainer, do you also mm. train individuals? Like I say, I'm, I come to you that I, I want to be a great public speaker. I'm not in any organization. I'm just myself. Do you do that? I do that from time to time. I, I, I used to do it a lot more. I do mm. it a bit less now, but I still do it um, with, with, with individuals that are ready and willing to invest a certain amount of time um, and effort in order to do it. I'm, I'm not somebody who you would come and say, hey, can you do one session with me? Um, no, I, we, we're not going to see real results. We've got to do a few, and here's the structure of it. Here's the time. Here's your personal investment. Here's how that works. And so, yeah, I, I do work with people um, from time to time in that way. And that's wonderful. Yes, results don't come in a day. I mean, it's going to take some time, some practice, and until you get it. Now, uh, how can people reach you if they want to be in contact with you? I am really easy to find. I'm Robert Kennedy 3 on all social media, the number three. Uh, you can go to robertkennedy3.com to find me. You can search Robert Kennedy 3 on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can find me there. Um, we're just getting on TikTok. Some dude stole Robert Kennedy 3 on TikTok. He's not even using it. So I'm a real Robert Kennedy 3 on TikTok. How about that? Okay. I'll, I'll actually connect with you. I, I'm on TikTok on the other side, so I'll connect with you on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> I love TikTok yeah. and all the other handles. So for those who are listening, go to www.robertkennedy3.com. And uh, from there, you can find all the other routes to connect with uh, Robert. And we really appreciate your presence here, Robert. Thank you very much for taking your time to come and tell us how to find our voice and own our story. So we are almost coming to the end of the show, but before we go, please, it's good that um, you leave us with a few words that we can always remember. What are Yeah. They? Well, listen, I, I share this at the end of any podcast or some of the podcasts I'm on. A lot of the reason why people don't share their story is because they're scared or they're nervous or they have a lot of fear. But here's what I say to people. Everything that happened to you happens to you in life is your stuff. Your stuff is your story. And your story deserves a stage. So get on out there and tell it. It's going to make a difference for somebody. Would like to hear that again, please. Everything, Everything that happens to you in life is your stuff. Your stuff is your story. And your story deserves a stage. Oh, thank you very much, Robert. We really appreciate you. And we wish yeah. you great story as you go i mean a great success as you go and teach others to find their own voice and their story yeah. we appreciate Love it. it and those Thank who are you, always, those who get to listen after we are through uh please follow up with robert for much more on his website as he's told us the link is on the comments and uh yeah that's a great time and thank you for telling us everything that we needed to hear robert thank you Love it. So here yeah, I'm your host, Anthony Morore, and together with Kennedy, we are saying bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.